0: tell you guys are fired up and excited about being in the house of the Lord. Amen? I can tell it. I can hear it backstage. Hey, welcome all the campuses. Just give them some love. We love all of you. We're excited that you're joining us here today. Um, is it too early? Is it, is it too early for me to say Merry Christmas? I don't think so. Merry Christmas. I mean, it is December, it's after Thanksgiving, so Merry Christmas. Glad you're here. If you're a guest, my name is Benji. Uh, I get the unbelievable privilege of serving as one of the pastors here and just so thrilled that you would be here today. Um, hey, it is Christmas, so just wanted to say a few words before we jump into the Word today. Um, our Christmas series is titled Christmas for You. Christmas for who? Yeah. You. You. Uh, Christmas for you and Christmas for your name. I I just got up there. Did you see that? Um, Speaking of Christmas, um, every year we receive a Christmas offering at New Hope Church, and uh, this is an offering that the family of God, the New Hopers, give to the Christ Child. God gave so much to us in Jesus. Amen in the birth of jesus and so we we give above and beyond our tithes and if you're not a if you're not a member or you're just a guest here today don't worry about this you're welcome to participate but this is really for the family and so i just want to say that we are coming up on the last two months of our faith raising campaign called hope rising many of us made three-year pledges and uh at the end of January, we will wrap up a three-year campaign on Vision Day. And um, we engaged in a, a project three years ago that would help us reach, teach, and release. Say that with me. Reach, teach, and release. That's our vision. Reach people for Jesus, teach from the Bible, and release fully devoted followers and other churches to the glory of God. We pledged $6 million. Look at this. We pledged $6 Million six hundred and two thousand dollars. We've given 71% towards that goal, so we're at 4.7 million. Come on and celebrate and and just honor God and those of you who have joined Amy Lynn and I in that endeavor. Now, what we're going to do this Christmas is 100% of our Christmas offering is going to go towards finishing Hope Rising Strong. And we're laying out a goal of $500,000 for our Christmas offering this year. Amen. Amen. And some of you are excited about that and clapping, and others of you are like, man, that's a lot of money. It, It might feel like a lot of money, but for the whole movement and all the campuses, if we all just pray, and we let God lead us, and we say yes to what God leads us to give to Hope Rising this Christmas, I believe we're going to hit that goal. I believe we're going to hit that goal. And 100% of that is going to go to Hope Rising, which is all about reach, teach, and release. And if you do give to a Hope Rising, you probably received a card in the mail this week. Um, And maybe everybody did, I'm not sure. But I want you to meet Alicia. If our vision is to reach people for Jesus, Alicia is the poster child of that right now. We started another campus in North Durham, um, I don't know, eight, nine weeks ago, right? There is a teacher that teaches at Carrington Middle School. Her name is Alicia. I think they're gonna throw her up there because I know you can't really. There's Alicia. Check this out. Alicia says in her testimony that she had been running from God. When she would talk to people, she would tell people that she went to church, but she really didn't. We started a campus in Carrington Middle School and Alicia says, I cannot believe God ran me down at the place where I teach Monday through Friday and now she comes to New Hope North Durham, she's accepted Christ, she's joining the church, that's reach in the flesh and so I just encourage you, I really do, I encourage you to pray and um, be generous, generous this Christmas season and join us as we go after finishing hope rising in a strong kind of way. Amen? Amen. Hey, um, everybody say, what's up, Maximus? What's up, Max? Open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6. Believe it or not, and this kind of saddens me to say, but battle Red is coming to an end. This has been one that has been... Um, Quite transformative for our staff and for our church and for me and I hope for you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Here we go. You ready for the word of the Lord? Say amen. Amen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the what church? Put on the what? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore. Let's read the rest of this out loud together. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand a little more. Stand firm then. And by the way, next Sunday's the last Sunday of the series. And my message is going to be on standing firm in the midst of the chaos. You don't wanna miss it, I promise you. Stand firm then, let's go. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, you sound great, and with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of the the what? Which is the what? So we've been hanging out with this dude for six weeks, Maximus. And you'll recall the very first week, we talked about putting on the belt of truth. And the belt of truth for the Roman soldier was a big belt. It was a belt that supported the core of the soldier. When we learn the Bible, when we learn the truth of God, it gives us strength in our core. Interestingly enough, note this. This piece of armor, the belt of truth, and what we're going to talk about today, the sword of the spirit of the seven pieces of armor. Remember, I've been telling you, there's not just six. There's seven. And what's the seventh one? Prayer. Prayer. But of the seven, two of them are about the Bible. Now, do the math. That should show you something right there. But the belt of truth is where you get your core strength from, In the Word of God. Then you might recall, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate would protect the soldier, all the organs, but most importantly, the heart. For guard your heart, from out of it comes everything the wellspring of life. You got to guard your heart. Then we talked about the shield of faith. And I shared with you how the soldiers would have these big shields. You've seen these in the movies. And they would get down and they would, they would advance. Because we've been talking about, we go forward as warriors. Amen? Amen? No neutral, no retreating. And they would go forward and you would be beside me and I would be beside you. And my shield would protect me. But a part of my shield would also protect you. And a part of your shield would protect me. And when the arrows would come flying over, they'd lift that shield up above them and it would protect them. It was called the turtle formation, no joke. But the enemy throws arrows at us, and it is our faith that protects us. Then last week, well, I forgot the shoes of peace. The second week, we talked about the shoes of peace, and they're firmly fitted. And we are people who strive to bring about peace on the planet. Let us never forget in this violent day and age that we live in, we are called to be a peaceable people. Amen? Yes, we love women and men who defend our country, but we never stop praying for peace. And we strive to be a peaceable people. Last week, we talked about the helmet of salvation. In the same way that the breastplate guards your heart, the helmet protects your mind. And if you're ever going to advance and become the man or the woman that God is calling you to be, you're going to have to learn how to steward over your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Faithful believers understand that I need to pay close, close attention to what I look at, to what I read, to what I think, thoughts, oh man, as your thoughts go, there goes you, right? The helmet of salvation. And this week, we're talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Good job. Which is the word of God. Now write this down. This is really, really important. Of all the pieces of armor, this one right here is the only one that is truly offensive. Think about it. It's offensive. All these other things protect you. But if you've got a sword in your hand, you better be ready to what? Bring it, slicing and dicing, baby. Now, check it out. The sword. The sword is not a long sword. The word in the Greek would not describe a sword like this that you would find in 300 or Braveheart. In the Greek, it was a short sword. It was like a dagger. The reason that's very, very important is because what we're talking about today is the fact that Satan will come into our lives at times and he will attack us up close and personal. Come on, show of hands. Have you ever felt like, you know what, that week or this week, Satan has just come at me wide open? Like, I gotta tell you, I, I gotta tell you. For me, this past week has been that way. It's been that way. And for, throughout the whole series, our staff, and I think our church, has experienced spiritual warfare like never before. Now, why do you think that's the case? Because the enemy does not want you learning this stuff. The enemy does not want you learning the schemes of Satan and the way in which he comes at you. Now, this week, I have felt personally spiritual warfare go through the roof, and here's why. I am convinced that the enemy does not want you to learn what I am about to teach you today. Because this piece of armor, like I said, it's the only one that is offensive, but also notice that it reigns in the spiritual realm. In other words, many of us, and I've been there, I do this at times, and every time it's a disaster. We try to fight spiritual battles in the physical realm. And whenever you try to fight physical battles in your own strength, and you're trying to fight against spiritual principalities and dark forces, it is a disaster. And so Satan knows that if you can learn how to yield the word of God in your life, if you can learn how to take that dagger And when he comes at you, you slice and dice him with the word of God. He will scurry and flee from you and head back into the dark pits of hell from whence he came. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, he does not want you to hear what you're going to hear today. So let's talk about The word. I said this already, but you need to write it down if you hadn't. Notice this is the only piece of armor that is what, church? Offensive. As Christians, as battle ready believers, we don't go into each day in neutral. Amen? And we definitely don't go into each day in reverse. There's no protection back here. The soldier was always advancing, it is offensive. And the way in which we advance offensively is with the sword of the spirit, the word of God. So when you study the New Testament, there are three words for the word word. you follow all that? There are three words for the word word of God. Teach you those. The first one is graphe. Everybody say graphe. You're a bunch of Greek scholars. Graphe. Graphe is used in the Bible and it is the words of scripture on the page. It's the actual ink on the pages of holy scripture. Everybody say graphe. So the truth is, you probably have graphe in your home. Agreed? I would imagine most of you have a Bible on your nightstand. Some of you throw a Bible in your car hoping that it'll bless your car. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) I mean, many of us treat the Bible, come on, stick with me, we treat the Bible as if in and of itself it's going to wreak benefits in my life. So sometimes we carry it, we might not use it. We put it on our nightstand. We never open it. We throw it in our car. To bu- we treat the Bible like a rabbit's foot, if you will. Like a lucky charm, right? And, you know, I just, if I just get close to the word, I'm blessed. No, you're not. You're just close to the word. That is graphe. Another word that is used for the word Logos. Everybody say logos. 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 The Logos is the message of the graphe. The Logos, I say it like this, and you write this in your notes. It's the message of the grafe. That is when you understand the message of the graphe. So if I've got, the, I've got the graphe in my car, I've got it at home, it's not doing me any good. But once I learn to read the grafe, when the Holy Spirit joins in my reading of the word, and as the old preachers used to say, when I receive the illumined word of God, right? When the Holy Spirit meets me in the reading of the word and I glean the message from the Bible, that's the logos. It's what happens when you come to church, <laughs> I hear this every Sunday. Some of you come up to me and say this or folks at our campuses will send me messages. It's when you're in church and I'm preaching and you're thinking, how does that dude know what's going on in my life? He must be reading my email. It's when you feel like the word of God just kind of jumps off the page and speaks directly to you. That's the graphe, jumping off the word, searing into your heart as the logos. Interestingly enough, side note, if you know the Bible, John chapter 1, the Bible says that the word, the logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us full of grace and truth. That's the logos, but there is a third word for the word word in the Bible. Got to say that slow to make sure I get it. It is called "rema." Everybody say "rema." You can do better than that. Everybody say rima. "Rema." Now stick with me. This is the utterances of God. This is the proclamation of God's word. This is the declaration of God's word. This is the spirit. Spoken word of God to you and for you so that you might live battle ready. And some of you, as I read that, you think, well, I'm not a preacher. You're looking at it the wrong way. I am not the only one up in here who should be proclaiming and declaring the word of God. If you are a Christ follower, you need to understand that there is a graphe, Then as you learn to be a student of the word and you read the word, the graphe becomes the logos. Once the logos gets up in you, you then declare the word of God. You proclaim the rima. When Satan comes at you, when the enemy starts trying to attack your family or your marriage or your children or your vocational life or this country, you rise up as a battle warrior, man or woman of God, and you utter You proclaim the word of God and the enemy will scurry from you. He trembles at the word of God. You speak things that are not as though they are. You speak victory over your life. You declare to Satan, get the Behind me, you have no place in my life, and you stomp him out. But listen, listen, you can't always just say, Get thee behind me. You got to know the word, like, you got to read the word of God and know the word of God and hide the word of God in your heart. Hey, Christmas is here, Christmas is here, and I think about Mary. think about Mary, right? And Mary, remember that great part of scripture where Mary says she treasured these things in her heart? Mary treasured these things. She treasured the word, the Rima, in her heart. You gotta hide the word of God in your heart. Look at this verse, oh my word. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my Rima, my words will never pass away. You know what that's saying? Just by sheer process of just deduction, if you will. If God's word will never pass away, it implies that there are many things that will pass away. Come on. And if I might say so myself, many of us, Waste a lot of time on things that will pass away and we don't give ourselves enough to the things that will never pass away. Like some of us, I know I've said it before, so you don't have to act like it's the first time, it's probably getting old, but you know I've heard I've said it before. Some of us spend way too much time in Facebook. Like some of you, you you need thirsty therapy. Some of you like you you just you just Dude, you're addicted and it's out of control and you're so obsessed with what people are thinking about you and I've got news for you, they're probably not thinking about you. Not nearly as much as you think they are. And I'm speaking to myself too, right? So, so some of us need to get our face out of Facebook because it's gonna pass away and get our face in the rhema that will never pass away. Some of you are clapping. Others of you are like, you meddling now, Pastor. Get out of my business. <laughs> um, magazines. Some of us spend way too much time reading magazines, right? Some of us spend way too much time, come on, watching TV. Hey, come on. You, you know, some of you are like, Bachelorette, you won't miss it. Bachelor. You know what my big one is right now? I love it. I love, this is us. This is us. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. It's awesome. Can't get my wife to watch it with me, but I love it. This is us, right? Some of us spend an unusual amount of time trying to exercise and shape our bodies. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing at all wrong with that. We should take care of our bodies. But the question I would have for you, by the way, our bodies are gonna waste away. The question I would have for you is do we spend an equal amount of time on that which will never pass away, which is the rima, the graphe, which becomes the logos for me in my soul, which becomes, which becomes the rima that I declare over my life, which sends the enemy away so that I can be the man or the woman that God has called me to be. What are you spending all your time on? Watch this verse. Read this one out loud with me. Great powerful verse of scripture. Go. The word of God is living and active. The Grafe is not living and active. But when I get into it and the Holy Spirit meets me there, it becomes living and active. It becomes the logos in my life. And then when I speak Speak it over my situation. It is active. It is slicing and dicing. It is the one thing that will bring blood, if you will. And slice and dice Satan right in front of us so that he scurries away from your life and all the things that are precious to you. It is living. It is is offensive. So why in the world do we not spend an inordinate amount of time, becoming women and men of the word. Read this out loud with me too. Ready, go. I have hidden your rema in my heart. I have hidden your word in my heart. Now, what I'm gonna do right now is I'm going to get painstakingly applicable today. Like, I, if I, I think I could probably spend the next 20 minutes and just, you know, preach and tell stories and have you all hooting and hollering, and, woo, the word! And you'd walk out of here and you didn't do anything with it. <laughs> and sometimes I gotta tell you, like I, I, I get sick of that. Like, I mean, I could do that over the next 20 minutes, agreed? And we, we, could be, you know, we could be shooting, we could be running laps around this place, shooting in the rafters and just going crazy. But if you didn't go out and change and actually start to apply this, I think it's been a waste of time. So today, as I felt the spiritual warfare go up, and as I knew that Satan does not want you to do what I'm talking to you about today, I decided to get as basic and applicable as I possibly can, because come on, come on, let's, let's be real. The truth is, most of us don't need new information. Most of us just need to start applying that which we know. Moreover, the truth is, most of us just need to be reminded of that which we've forgotten. So I'm just going to sit here for a moment and make sure you understand how you do this. Because I have learned a lot lately. And some of you are here and you're new. And we're so glad you're here. And the truth is, you're like, you, you've never been to church. You know, we're, we're living in a culture. America's post-Christendom. We're living in a country. We're living in a culture where many people come to our church now. And they don't, they've never opened up a Bible. They grew up like I grew up. Totally never church. Not unchurched. Not de-churched. But never churched. So I can't assume anymore that everybody knows, number one. And number two, again, most of us in here, we know what I'm about to say to you. We just don't do it. So let's go get application. If you're going to hide the Word of God in your heart, if you're going to learn to yield the Word of God offensively, you have to come up with some way, shape, or form to develop a space and a place. A what? A space and a place. Now, when I say space, what I'm talking about is time. Like time on your calendar. Like all of you schedule things on your calendar. I do too. Some of you, like I, you schedule time at the gym because you know you've learned the hard way. I have. If I don't, it's probably not going to happen, right? So you got to schedule it. Here's my question. Why don't we schedule our time in God's word? That is the space. And then you ought to find a place. Now, don't go getting rigid. I'm not saying you can only read the word of God from your place, okay? You should always have the Bible with you. And I do carry a Bible in my car because I got it stuck in a line or I got it on my phone or whatever. And I'm, I'm, at the, you know, I'm at the places where things go really, really slow like the department of motor vehicle, Satan lives at the DMV. <laughs> and if you work there, we need you there. You start declaring scripture over that place. <laughs> so don't go getting rigid. I'm not saying you can only read the Bible in your place, but here's my point. Get a space and get a place. Get a place that, that's your place, man. It's, 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 your, it's your sacred space where you read the Word of God when you schedule your time to read the Word of God, okay? For me, I have a recliner. I have, two, I have two places. I have a recliner in my study at my house. It's the most comfortable recliner you've ever been in. And now my young kids go in there and they sit in my recliner. And I will come in there to get in my recliner. And they don't want to move. And so I let them know in a very gracious way, son, I brought you into this world. I will take you out of this world. Get your butt out of my... It's it's, it's my place. If you've been here a while, you know I got a place in the woods. I got a bench in the woods and I got a cross that the facilities team, a big giant cross that the facilities team put up in the woods for me. That's my place. You have to find a space and a place where you read the word of God. You take the graphe and you read it so that it becomes the logos. here's, Here's something else. Take a Bible, a pen, and a highlighter. A Bible, a pen, and a highlighter to which some of you would say, well, what if I just wanna read it on my phone? Fine, read it on your phone. But, There's something about, I just gotta say, I think there's something about the Bible, holding it in your hand, reading it, marking it up. Some of my best Bibles are just, they're all messed up. There's words all over. They're falling apart at the binder because I've been in the Word. Take a Bible, a pen, and a highlighter and read the Word of God. Some people ask me all the time, what's your favorite translation? What do you normally preach from? NIV, NIV, New International Version. I believe it is one of the most reputable, faithful, biblical translations of the original text. If you want to read more of a paraphrase, you can read uh, The Message by Eugene Peterson. American Standard Version is a good translation. If you come old school and like you grew up on King Jimmy, King James Version, um, and you like all the these and the thous, you can do that. I don't know how you do it. But there's this thing out now called the New King James Version. The New King Jimmy. And it's a great translation. But read the Bible with a pen and a highlighter. Number three, a reading plan. Here's why this is important. I've, I've done it. I've, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I've seen other people do it as well. Some of you are gonna get inspired today. And you're gonna be like, yes, I'm gonna read the word. And you're gonna get up tomorrow morning at five o'clock, fire it up. And you're gonna start in Genesis 1. And your plan is to read all the way to Revelation 22. And in about two months, you're gonna be in Leviticus and you're gonna be thinking, what, Lord Jesus, you can come now. Just come on back now. A reading plan is incredibly important. Now, we're gonna do something now where we're probably gonna crash the systems at all of our campuses. Most of you know that we have free Wi-Fi at our campuses. Some of you are like, really? I didn't know that. Yes, you can use that on Sundays. If you do anything inappropriate on our internet system, we will go Old Testament on you. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, use it for godly things if you're going to use our internet here. Take out your phones. Everybody take out your phones. We, we might not have the bandwidth for this. But we're going to try. I'd like for you to go to the app store. And I would like for you, you can do this later if you, if you don't want to or if you won't do it now. If you don't have you version on your Bible, you are truly missing out on one of the best modern day tools of spiritual growth out there. I, it comes from a church called Life Church in Oklahoma. I've spent time with their team, an amazing team, Craig Rochelle, He's the pastor but he didn't even develop it. One of his tech guys developed it. developed it. Over one Hundred million downloads. Okay? Go to the App Store, go to Uversion, download it. This is why I'm saying all this, because there, not only will you find the Bible in every translation there is, you'll also find, I'm not even gonna say hundreds, it's probably thousands now of reading plans where you can read the Bible. Say you're struggling with depression, you can start a Bible reading plan on depression. Say you're single and you want to get married one day. You can start a Bible plan on singleness. Suppose you're single and you never want to get married. No, it might not be that. Um, There's Bible plans. You version. Everybody finding it? Is it working? Really? It hasn't stopped yet or crashed? If it does, pick it up. sister tells me it's going a little slow. After that, if you don't have this downloaded... Download our New Hope app. Incredible app. You can take notes during the teaching. So some of you, most of you take notes on this and that's great, but if you want notes electronically because normally you don't know where that is after a few days, you can take notes on the teaching. You can watch past messages from New Hope Church. You can get the latest news. You can sign up to serve. It's the New Hope app. It is incredible. I know I probably need to camp out here longer because so many of you are downloading, but I can't. i got to move on. Okay? Here we go. A space and a place. A Bible, pen or pencil, and a highlighter. A reading plan. Lastly, not lastly, fourthly, a journal. A what? To which some of you guys are like, dude, you just lost me. I don't journal. Journaling, listen to me, man. Journaling, is, it doesn't have to be, you know, where you, 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 you write out your little sweet, you know, little I love you, God, a hundred times or, or you write little hearts all over it. And it doesn't, it doesn't have, I love to journal. I've been journaling for 30 years and I don't journal all the time. I go in seasons. But there's something about taking the time to journal. And I think one of the reasons I love to journal is because it slows me down. I can get into a quiet time and I can try to get through it so I I can go do some tasks. When journaling actually makes me slow down and you might be saying, okay, maybe I'll give it a try. What do I do? How do I do it? Again, painstakingly applicable. Soap, let me teach you an acrostic. That again, will change the way you have time in the Lord's word. Soap. the word of God cleanses us. The word of God allows us to live holy lives. So think of it in terms of soap. When I journal, I'm first of all gonna start in my journal. I'm gonna write down the scripture that I'm studying that day. Say you wanna go read the Christmas story, Luke 2 or 2 Corinthians 5 or 3 or whatever. You, You write down the scripture, that's all you do. Then you read it. You read the Bible, you're reading a reading plan, okay? You read your reading plan. And you write down observations that the Holy Spirit gives you as you're reading the word. In other words, you're writing down the Logos, which is coming alive as you study the Word of God. When I say get it, you say get it. Get it? Yeah. Got it? Good. Observation, you write it down, the Logos. A. Application, how do I take what I've been reading and observing, how do I apply that in my life today? Application, incredibly important. And some of that application is going to be this Rima that I'm talking about today, where not only do I go and do something with it, what I'm encouraging you to do is so learn the word of God that when situations come up in your life, temptations come your way, the enemy comes at you, or just life happens. You proclaim and utter and declare the word of God over that situation and you watch God cover you and take you to places that you've only imagined. Application. And then P, prayer. I just pray about it. So every day or say I do it two times a week or I do it three times a week, whatever the case may be. Every time that I'm in the word of God, I'm following a simple acrostic that will help me grow in the Lord and declare God's word in my life. Last thing, attend church with the sword of the spirit in your hand. You come to church on Sundays with the word of God in your hand. You might say, well, does it have to be, you know, the Bible? I pull out my phone, pastor, that's fine, that's fine. But again, I just think there's something about bringing the word. I just, show, show of hands, how many, because I like to know who I'm teaching, I like to know who I'm talking to every week. How many of you bring the Bible to church? I'm talking like pages, hold it up high, hold it up high. Look at that, that's awesome. How many of you do the phone thing? Okay. How many of you are not into the word? All right, I'm just checking. Hey, if a hand popped up, we love you. You're welcome. We're glad you're here. I think, I, I just tell you, I just, I just think if you, if, you, if you can, if, if you, just, you just sold out to the screen, that's cool. But whatever the case may be, you come into church. Should I say this, Lord? You, you come to church. Should I say this, Lord? You come to church on time. I know you're going to be late some, but, dude, we're we're bad, man. We'll start a song out here, and there's three people here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then y'all show up about song two or three. And then, dude, I preach, right? And a lot of you leave right after that. Start treating church not to come be with a man or women, or, but an appointment with God. Like, if you had an appointment tomorrow with the cardiologist because you were having heart problems, I guarantee you your rear end would be on time. So. Now. I know sometimes we have traffic jams. I get that. So leave extra early. Give yourself an extra 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And if you're late, it's all all good, man. You're welcome. Just come on in. But I'm just trying to point out attend church weekly. And attend church where you actually come to have an appointment with God's word, the logos, where the words jump off the graphe, get into my heart. And I experience the rima and I go forth uttering and declaring the word of God in my life and I do it weekly. The stats in America right now are alarming. I'm talking 1.9 times a month. Studies are showing us that believers go to church now. Let it never be so of the women and men known as New Hope Church. We are in the house of the Lord. I'm glad you're clapping. We're in the house of the Lord weekly and if you're watching this on Facebook live or whatever the case may be we're glad you're watching us through a window but we want you to come through a door. And you show up and you got your phone or you got the old school Bible and you're praying God speak to me through the word of God. Just last night literally at like 11.30 in the evening. I told you I've had a tough week of spiritual warfare. 11.30 in the evening, the Holy Spirit gave me a a clip that I wanna show you. The movie's a little dated now, but if you've never seen this movie, you need to go rent it ASAP. It is one of the, the most powerful movies of all time. It is called The Apostle. The Apostle. Robert Duvall, I think was his name, right? Robert Duvall. And, uh, and 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 Billy Bob, Billy Bob was in them. It, it's a country movie, but it's 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 a powerful movie. Uh, they're in the country, and, and Duvall is a preacher. He's the apostle. I'm telling you, I've never let you down on movie recommendations. I don't think um, you need to watch this movie. So good, the apostle is. In the movie, he's got a church, right? And and Billy Bob, Billy Bob is against God and against God's people. And Billy Bob wants to tear down and destroy the church. And the apostle takes the word of God. And I want you, as you watch this video clip, I want you to pay attention. You'll be able to say, oh, that's the graphe. And then you'll say, oh, that's the logos coming alive. And then you'll hear him declaring the word. That's the rhema. Watch this clip, powerful as we wrap up. Today. Now, what do you got to say for yourself? You can say amen all you want to. It don't make me no difference because I'm taking that church out. i tell you right now. See this? Yeah, I see. You see it? Yeah, I see that book. I open that to the 91st Psalm. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. All right. Glory. Amen. 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 Glory. Thank you. If you want to go to that church, you have to go to that holy book first. Amen. And brother, if you do, I don't want to sit where you're sitting right now. <laughs> no, no, no. no pastor, maybe I'd better call him. Please. No, 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 no. Don't call him, please. No, no. We, we, we in the Lord yeah. will handle it. Because he's going to strike you down on a Sunday afternoon like you've never been struck. That's a promise I can amen. give you right now. Amen. Do so I hear an amen. amen? Amen. Oh, don't you start threatening me like that. You move that Bible. No, sir. I said yes, sir. You move the Bible. I want you to move it right no, now. She just sat the graffe down. I hear somebody say amen. 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 Who's with us right now? The Holy Ghost say it. Pick that Bible up right there. Watch this. Right where it's at. I hear somebody say amen. 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 Let's say we have Holy Ghost power here right now. I can pick the Bible up myself. Don't stop to preach your stuff with me, all right? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. Rima. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Don't look at me like that. I know what you're trying to do. And you think I can be had, don't you? Amen. Nobody knows that book. Nobody. Well, I can move it. Amen. I can move it just as quick as you can. No, sir. Everybody say, nobody moves that book. Nobody Nobody moves that book. Say it one more time. Nobody Nobody. moves that book. And a third time. Nobody Nobody moves that book. And a fourth time. Nobody moves that book. One more time. Nobody moves that book. here. Okay. You didn't come here to knock my church down, did you? You came for another reason, did you? No, I came to knock your church down. No, sir. Yes, sir, I did. Well, you ain't gonna knock it down. I want you to know that. I'm just have a hard time. Let me see if I can position myself where I can hear a little better. There it is. Yes. Watch this. I've been coming out to church down. Yes, sir. I know. I know. That's why I'm kneeling with you. And I'll pray with you if you want me to. I'll even cry. I'll do anything you want me to do with you. Because I know you're a good man. Mm. Mm. You ever just felt like the whole Christianity thing is not working for you? I don't mean that you're not saved. I just mean you're not experiencing the victory. You're not experiencing a vibrant faith that is enabling you to take territory and experience the deepest desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4 says that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Then in Philippians 4, Paul would use that same language when he said God would give you the desires of your heart according to his riches in Christ. John 1, Jesus Christ, the word, the logos became flesh. If you wanna experience a faith that is alive, that is prevailing, that is taking territory, that's putting you on higher ground so that your altitude and your impact in the world is something that you're deeply desiring in your heart in the first place, then you have to, and I use that word intentionally, you have to become a man or woman of the word. And maybe you're here and you're like, I don't, I don't really have an appetite for it. Well, you can pray, God, give me a hunger for the word. Because once you get in the word, once you come to the Grafe, and you read it and you become actually a student You become a disciple. Disciple means nothing more than disciplined follower of Jesus. Once you come to the graphe, you read it, the Holy Spirit illumines it, the logos comes off the page, pierces into your heart, and you become a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. The more you experience that, the more you will become a man or a woman who hungers, I mean literally hungers, after the Word of God. Most of you know I'm a John Wesley fan. 18th century revivalist, kind of a rebel. Of course I would like him. He, he left the Church of England, right? Came to America. And just, John Wesley, unbelievable. This is what John Wesley said about the Bible. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. How to land safe on that happy shore. Then he says this, God himself has condescended To teach me the way. Don't miss this. For this very end, he came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. At any price. Give me the book of God. You take this book. And if you don't have one, I, I didn't say this last time. If you don't have one, we give them away in the resource center. So we have one for you. But get you a good reading plan. Get into the word of God. Spend time in that which will not pass away. Study it. Marinate in it. Feast upon it memorize it and when life tries to beat you down, when Satan puts you in the crosshairs and he comes at your life, you take that logos and you declare it, you utter it, you preach it, you proclaim it, it is the Rima, and you watch the enemy scurry away from you and your home and your marriage and your vocation, you preach! The Rima. And God will take you to places you never even imagined. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.